0: The Giordana Sagittarius logo has been a staple of the pro peloton for decades. Made in Italy for cyclists by cyclists since 1979. Thanks to a long history of partnerships with the top teams in the sport, they have the knowledge to deliver clothing that pros rely on.
1: Today, it's not just the Michelton, Scott and Astana pro teams with that benefit. Giordana's goal is to empower every rider to reach new heights. That's the drive that constantly pushes them to create and innovate. Everything Giordana does is designed to enhance cycling performance and enjoyment. Whether you're a professional racer or a weekend warrior.
0: So check them out. Head over to Jordanacycling.com to see what's new. And for a limited time, you can get 25% off your next purchase when you use the code PODCAST. Leadership is the key to success. Everyone knows that. But enacting strong leadership is an art form only few can master. This week on Put Your Socks On, we sat down with one of cycling's most formidable leaders, Bjarne Rees, to discuss his return to cycling and how he's using the current situation to make some key changes at NTT Pro Cycling. G'day and welcome to another episode of Put Your Socks On. My name is Angus Morton and as per usual programming, I am joined by Bobby Julik. Bobby, how are you doing, mate?
1: Doing great, Gus. Doing great. Um, don't know about you guys, but down here in Greenville, South Carolina, restrictions are starting to be relaxed. You know, restaurants are opening first with outdoor seating and I believe today, they're going to start with limited indoor seating. So things seem to be transitioning back to quasi-normal. A lot going on. actually got to watch some bike racing on the Zwift platform. And I have to say, I really enjoyed watching the Tour for All. Last week, we chatted with Michael Valgren, and he mentioned he was racing the next day and that he had no chance to win and that he was you know, kind of scared because of his watts per kilo wasn't as good as he wanted it to be. But obviously, he was playing his cards close to his chest because he was he was caught about I don't know 500 meters to go on that very hard Richmond circuit, which was the 2015 World Championship course. And tactics came into play there, and his teammate wound up winning. So he actually kind of set the table for an NTT victory. And yeah. Shout out to Michael Gogol for out sprinting Greg Van Evermet and Matthew Vanderpoel there in the finish. But what I really liked about it, because like if you're just watching it without the sound, I don't know mm. if it would be as interesting, but I have to give a big shout out to what GCN, um, I think they're associated with Eurosport and Discovery Channel, um, actually, but what they did to cover the races. I, I know it's not the real thing. It'll never be the real thing, but... It was exciting. The commentators were great. They had great content, interviews during the race. They used different camera angles. They gave time gaps, and it was great racing every single stage. So I have to say I enjoyed watching it,
0: Bobby. I, you know, I don't know if it's uh, it's because there hasn't been any any real racing or. The, the rate at which, you know, our coverage of, of these virtual races has had to adapt in such a rapid pace. But I will agree with you. I've started to, you know, I've only watched a little bit, but I've started to to enjoy it. And um and there has been some really exciting racing. And and, and to your point, let's look at the uh, the results of, of the Tour for All. Stage one, Marianne Voss won won the women's race and then Freddie Overt from uh, Israel Startup Nation won the the men's race there. Stage two Ashley mulman Passio from CCC Live, again, that team dominating on the women's front there. Uh, and that was a stage Michael Gogol won for Team NTT, which, again, a really exciting sprint finish there. Stage three, James Piccoli from Israel Startup Nation. Ashley, again, for the women's. Uh, stage four, Leah Dixon from TIBCO. And then Gregor Boll from Bahrain McLaren. So we're seeing a pretty good I'm I'm liking this. You're seeing some big stars win in the virtual racing. Um, so they're obviously able to transfer that from from, you know, the real world over to the virtual world, but then we're seeing a few, you know, new names and new teams pop up there, which is really cool. Stage 5, Ashley again for CCC Live. She is absolutely dominating it. It was really great to see Louis Mentes from NTT Pro Cycling take his first win and we'll get to this later on in the show. We sit down with Biani Reese, but you know, whether or not he, he, he is taking credit for it. That team has really turned themselves around in this last, certainly this season, but in this, this last week, they're really demonstrating that whatever they're doing at home, uh, is transferring to results. And, uh, so yeah, that's really cool. The overall win was, uh, for team TIPCO, Silicon Valley bank, um, was the, the overall, overall team winner for the women's. And then, uh, NTT Pro Cycling for the men's there, so pretty interesting week. You know these races. I think these formats they are starting to hone them in. They're starting to make them more entertaining, as you said. And um, you know, I think uh, love it or hate it, the virtual platform is is here to stay. And I think we'll see a lot more of it integrated, even once we start resume regular regular racing.
1: Yeah, th- big thank you to all the teams and the riders who participated to give us something to watch and and to cheer for and feel halfway normal about but one interesting thing we've heard rumors that there will be a virtual tour de france in july made up of six stages over three different weekends what do you think about that gus
0: look bobby i so okay virtual racing that's cool i think it needs to be its own thing though when you start i don't know i feel like it's a big gimmicky when they start trying to you know, run a virtual tour or the virtual tour of Swiss or whatever. Um, I feel like those races, you know, the way they play out uh, on the actual road, you know, there's no way you can replicate that. That being said, it will be a sad month of July um, when there is no Tour de France on and there is no one racing outside. So I, I, I definitely do like the idea of getting, you know, getting some superstars together and uh, and getting them on the virtual trainer and, and getting them racing yeah, I think you know. I think getting, I think getting a few, a few, few of the old heroes of the sport, a few of the old, you know, getting them on, getting a bit of a sledge happening. Why don't we get like a, a two-way conversation going as they're racing? I think you know, there's there there is there is a way to have to have a bit of fun with that. I think so. Yeah, you know, why not?
1: But for me, all the e-racing aside, my absolute highlight of this last week was getting to ride with Yolanda Neff from Team Trek Factory Racing, and she also races on the road for Trek Segrefredo. Kind of an out-of-the-blue sort of thing. Over the weekend, George Hincapie and I wanted to do a gravel recon of a route that we've been looking at at his hotel, Hotel Domestique, <laughs> which is a fantastic cycling destination hotel that he and his brother run. I'll admit it, George isn't the best at details or planning, and sent me a text basically saying, Gravel, Hotel Domestique, 1030-ish. So, that kind of gave you the amount of details that I had before I went there. So, I arrived at 1015, started to unload, prepare for our epic adventure, and from behind, I heard this female voice with a Swiss-German accent ask me, are you here for the gravel ride? And I thought to myself, who could this be, asking a question like this? You know, just because I'm in the parking lot of Hotel Domestique doesn't mean that we're going to ride together. And... Uh, Of course, George didn't mention that he invited somebody else. And I turned around, recognized her right away, and I must admit, I went a little bit fanboy. (laughs) Um, Instantly, the instincts kicked in, and I went over and introduced myself, and I actually extended my hand to shake her hand. And I don't know, I haven't done that in six weeks, I don't know why I did it then, and she shook my hand right as George was pulling into the parking lot. And I could see his face silhouetted through his tinted windows of his truck with this WTF look on his face. And then I realized what I had just done. I was like, I can't believe I just did that. You know, just she made me nervous, I guess. But yeah, that was... <laughs> I mean, who, who shakes hands nowadays? Like, that's like the, the number one thing that we have to right. ad- adjust to, I guess. But... So I'm sitting there, you know, now a little bit nervous, you know, get out the hand sanitizer and sanitize my hands and get everything ready. And she starts bunny hopping in a 360 degree circle and looks at us and says, can you guys do this? And she bunny hops a full circle, then goes back the other way and then goes back the other way. And I'm just sitting there like, oh my gosh, we're in trouble. So we find out that she rode an hour and a half to two hours just to meet us at Hotel Del Mystique when we drove up there. She shows up with her cross bike and I'm looking at her gearing and she's got like a one by 48 front chain ring with maybe a, a 30 cog in the back. And to the normal people out there that don't know what I'm talking about, that's a pretty big gear to be riding right. up in the mountains. And mind you, we had no idea where we were, we were going because this was just a recon thing. And... Let's just say it turned out to be a double black diamond in a few sections where the proper gravel bailout gear were definitely needed. But she absolutely crushed the ride. She wound up doing six hours that day when George and I were complaining about, oh my gosh, we've done four. We're kind of tired. Maybe we go in, you know, get a, get a hamburger and a beer. But it was so cool riding with the 2017 elite women's mountain bike world champion, uh, she did have a bad crash last year training in the area, but let me tell you, she is back. She is absolutely back. And such a pleasant young woman with such a great attitude. I'm sure she was one of the favorites for the Olympics this year and was tempted to ask how she felt about them being postponed, but um, then I thought about it, maybe we can get her on the podcast and talk about that a little bit more in, in detail. Yeah, what a great weekend. Such an honor to, to ride with her.
0: Absolutely, she's uh, she's a remarkable athlete. And uh, Yolanda, if you're listening, let's get you on the let's get you on the podcast next week. I would love to hear your thoughts on uh, on the postponement of the Olympic Games and and how you're going to change things around in order to target them if that's what you're doing in 2021. Bobby, let's move on to the main part of the show this week. Last week we were handed a more comprehensive UCI calendar for the 2020 season, and there's been a lot of discussion around it. Season starting in August, Tour de France maybe having to be postponed for a few days again. Lots of races overlapping. On top of that, lockdown restrictions around the world have started to loosen up, as you mentioned. Uh, Many athletes are able to get back out on the road, some for the first time in months, some are able to travel for longer than than they have been. And the ramp up for the truncated season is beginning in earnest.
1: Yeah, with a whole new set of questions arising, we reached out to the NTT Pro Cycling team manager, Bjarne Rees, who recently returned to the World Tour to get his thoughts on the current state of affairs, the proposed racing program, and how he wants to prepare his team once the racing does resume. Hello, Bjarna Rees, and welcome to Put Your Socks On. Hey, Bobby, how are you? Thank you for having me. Before we jump into the show, I trust that you and your family are well. All the boys at home with you in, in Switzerland? They're all here. They're all jumping around like crazy. <laughs> and to the listeners out there, Bjarna, you have six sons. Is that right? Yeah, I have six sons. Yes. Uh, wow. Well, only, only four of them
2: are here now. The two are living in Denmark, but yeah, managed to get everybody home. Uh, before it really kicked off this this thing here, coronavirus, and uh, normally daily life, we only have two left here. Uh, we have one in Denmark. He's on the school there, uh, soccer academy. And then we have a guy in uh, in Vermont, actually. Wow. Uh, he's on a ski academy over there. So he's been he he moved when he was fourteen, and uh, yeah, he's been there for three years now, actually.
1: Wow, did not know that. Man, there's so much to talk about, Bjarna. I don't really know where to start, but kind of wanted to focus on the present and the future. You know, like, let's look through the front windshield instead of looking through the rear view mirror here. So let's just kick it off. I'm, I'm quite curious. So after a few years out of the world tour, you recently became team manager for the NTT Pro Cycling Team. It was rumored time and time again that you would soon be re- making your return into the world tour, but it finally happened this year. How has it been for you personally being back in the world tour and tell us how this all came about along with Douglas Ryder, how you agreed to basically jointly run the team?
2: Well, first of all, I'm, I'm super happy to, to be here again in, in the world tour and yeah, it's amazing to be around the team and, and use, use my, my knowledge, use my experience, uh, I think. That's crazy. I mean, I've been out for for quite a, a few years, and and not being daily involved in in a team, and I mean, sitting on a couch at home uh, and uh, just you know watching television, following everything, all the races and so on, and I finally got a little bit frustrated to be honest, because I I see so many things and so many things I want to change, and 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 do better out there. So um, so it was great finally to. To have a chance to give it a go, and uh, I have to say that I mean, yeah, there have been rumors out there, and well rumors we always know there's a lot of, but uh, yeah before it's concrete, it's not really nothing <laughs> yeah I've been talking to uh, actually a few teams and been interesting in yeah in a few possibilities, but uh, yeah, we also need to find the right thing and and me and my partners uh, we were looking at to. to I've kind of a, a new go in cycling, and uh, we have had uh, a women's team, we had uh, a continental team, but we wanted to go on the highest level again, and uh, we thought, okay, this might be an okay chance. And we had a few discussions with with Douglas. Actually, we find that the the fit is, is pretty good. Uh, also, in terms of he has uh, he has an interesting team. I mean, the more we we kind of know him now, it's we have more and more respect for what he has built up. You know, to to be a South African team on an international level, it's not just something you do. It takes time, and 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 he has put a lot of heart in this, and uh, he actually has a great team, and and it's amazing to see all those fantastic staffs he has, and uh, to then help to 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 the next level i think that's uh that's the great challenge for me uh so actually after many discussions then we agreed on okay let's get started
0: you said that you you know you were sitting on the couch watching the sport and finally you know you you were frustrated enough that you were like i need to to get back to the top level what 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 were some of those frustrations what were some of the things that you were seeing that made you want to step back in and advance the sport in 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 your way
2: Bobby he knows me well enough to to understand and I have a lot of creativity in me and uh, sometimes if you're not if you don't have the the strongest or the the most powerful most uh, the biggest economy uh, as the teams then you need to be have a lot of creativity in you and I see I miss that a lot when I watch cycling I miss that the teams, uh, they go out there and fight uh, in a different way. As a team, I, th- I actually see many teams uh, not being that organized. Uh, we know we have a superpower in, in, in INEOS, and of course with their budget, they, it's, we all know that they are powerful, they have a great team, it's fantastic. And they they have fantastic riders. They they have a super management, and the way they run the team is very very professional on a high level. Uh, and they are difficult to beat, but I think it's possible sometimes if you if you work hard enough and and you start to be a little bit creative, you know. Uh, so, but I think uh, in generally when I look at 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 cycling, then. A lot of teams are just happy with being second best. That's not really in my instinct. I love to work with the people I have around me and make them better, as good as possible, to, to, uh, to make some drama, to make some action. And you know maybe I can't beat the others, but then definitely I'll make some spectacle out there and uh, something that people like to watch.
1: Well, you hit the nail on the head. I definitely know your management style and it it definitely changed the where my career was going when I met you back in 2003. But last week we had Michael Valgren on and he said that you made some obvious changes on the way that the team works and you guys got off to a pretty impressive start and then all of a sudden the, the racing stopped. So what were those specific changes? What mentality did you bring to a new team? And there's a lot of familiar faces on that team. You know, you, you know a lot of them already. But what specific changes did you make? And how do you feel that team NTT is different than the other teams or maybe what it was last year? To be honest, I look more forward to really start racing again and then implement the real things,
2: you know, because it has been only a little bit that I have had the time to to implement on this team so far. But but what I can say is, what's you know, Bobby, what's important for me is team and the team, how the team works together and, and being a team, not just saying we are a team, but show it. You know, the way we race, the way we race together in the peloton, the way we move together, everything we do as a team. And that's a culture you build. You know, so on, unfortunately, these last few months out in the races, we haven't had the the possibility to, to work on that. But the first two months we had, we really worked hard on that. And that was something that I I would say even demanded that the way we move as a team is the foundation of what we do. And then, yeah, starting to put some creativity in the way we race and, uh, Get the best out of the riders. I mean, think out of the box sometimes. Uh, when you when you make a strategy, it's important that we can make uh, a strong strategy, you know, and, and and a strategy and tactic that that people can relate to. So, uh, so, I think putting gathering the team, connect the team, has been crucial so far. And this is actually also something that that we spend time on here on the last couple of months and the lockdowns. Because the first two months I, I kind of spent a lot of energy on watching, just just observing the team, the boys out there, what they did and how they did. And and then coming, putting some things together that say, okay, where can we actually improve as a team? So of course, when, when we started this whole lot, lockdown, The first thing I thought, okay, first of all, we need to, of course, take care of our families the security and uh, being safe. And when that was done, then I started to explain everybody what I actually saw in the races and what I wanted us to improve on. So I changed a little bit the whole thing, being everybody at home. So we started to have weekly conference calls with everyone on the team and so on. And, and with the riders, I, I pointed out actually six pillars that I wanted them to work on. Things that I observed and I told them, guys, let's use this lockdown as an opportunity. Clean up our garden, make our garden look more beautiful and work on things that we are not so good at. Uh, and that could be different things. And I said we had, I came up with six pillars, uh, meaning in terms of uh, training, what I what I wanted them to to work on. And, uh, and we have started that. I'm not going to tell you exactly what, because that's a, <laughs> ah, that's a team secret. Dang. Come on, <laughs> come no, on. But I, that's that that's right. actually, I mean. It's it, it done in a way from what I see at races today. What is important to be able to win and to perform in, in, in a race today? What does it take? And, and I wanted the team to, to work on and improve on these things. And we've been working for the last uh, couple of months at home, some on the home trainers because they couldn't go out, and some, of course, outside on their bikes in the training, implemented a few uh, things in training that I thought was very, very important for us to be able to perform. And you know what? I'm super excited when we're going to race again because we're going to still have two three months before we're going to race again. And we have still two or three months to work on these things. So I guarantee you, uh, NTT Pro Cycling are going to be a weapon when we come out racing again. Because that was what I explained them.
0: As a, I want you to be a weapon in what you do. And speaking about, you know, you mentioned team and and also too, you know, working on on your weaknesses. We saw NTT last week um, in the Tour for All. You won the team classification. Gogo won a stage. Mentis won another stage. What, whatever you're implementing is working. Tell me a little bit about e-racing um, and how I guess how you're using that. To uh, keep your riders fast and improve them right now during the lockdown, while there's no racing, but also to beyond that, is there a spot for something like e-racing once we resume regular racing? First of all, I want to say that
2: uh, I can't take all the credit, you know, for the victories and so on. We have uh, because <laughs> we have some actually some some excellent coaches and uh, and DSs on the team, so uh, we're working hard together. But it has been interesting to see. I mean. In these times, we need creativity again, you know, and, and that was done through the, the e-racing we have been seeing uh, because, yeah, we can't go outside and race together, so what are we going to do? We stay inside and race together, you know, and I think it has been an okay alternative. It's never going to take what we have in the, the races we normally watch on television, but it has been okay, and it has been a good motivation factor for 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 many riders uh, because especially i would say those who have been only able to to ride indoor i mean that's been a long two months here uh, and and motivation has been a huge factor for i think many riders around the world so being able to doing the right things uh, has been important so coming to to your question i mean does does e-sport have a future? Uh, I think it has shown that, yes. And I think uh, it's not going to replace the cycling we know, but <clears throat> I think there will be some kind of uh, e-racing in the future. And I also think that would be possibility to, to actually create some UCI races with the UCI points to, to give a different kind of motivation uh, for the teams and uh, for cycling. How exactly it's going to be done, I don't
1: know, but I think we'll eventually we're going to figure it out. But just watching the, the races on the, the Zwift platform and seeing how you guys started the beginning of the season, it did look like you guys were racing as a team. Uh, for example, we had Ma- Michael Valgren on last week, and he said, yeah, I have to race tomorrow, and I have no chance of winning, and he, he almost won. And in that group that was chasing him, you had his teammate, Michael Gogol. And at the end, after Michael got caught, Michael Gogol was able to go and outpace, out sprint, uh, and win over guys like Greg Van Evermett and, and Matthew Vanderpool. And to me right there, I was like, wow, like this is real tactics. This is real teammates working together, which I don't know, But for me, it made me a little bit more exciting about the the e-racing platform. So whatever you guys are doing
2: there, keep doing it. No, we had a great communication there, you know, and you know, communication is one of my biggest values, Bobby. And the the DSs and and coaches, they worked very well together there, together with the riders to do the right communication, because there was a lot of tactic and, and done in the right way. It made a difference. And it... I think it showed, and also coming back to so especially Valgrain and, and Google, I mean these guys have been training some of the stuff that I wanted them to train uh, lately, and they both told me that, wow, we feel it's working, you know. So all small things together makes a difference, you know. And uh, you train right, you train hard, and you, you you raise as a team, you do it together, you com you communicate together, you know. In the end. That's what makes the difference.
0: And now moving from, uh, from e-racing towards, you know, the new season, which is at the moment scheduled to kick off at the beginning of August. What's your What are your personal thoughts on that? Do you think we're going to see racing by the beginning of August? And and, and do you think that that's something that's a realistic goal? I think it's realistic. And I am, I'm a
2: positive person, so uh, I want to believe that. Absolutely. Uh, cycling needs this. The world needs this. The world needs to move. Uh, we cannot stel- stand still. Of course, we need to be realistic about what's going on. Uh, and I actually think that most of the people are. I believe that the governments and, and so on, the authorities, they are taking the right decisions. And we're going to follow those. But I am excited. I am exciting. I, excited about uh, going on again. And I believe that it's possible. Uh, then we have to see which kind of format it's going to be. I mean, is it going to be. Uh, a closed race like Peronis was. Uh, Maybe in the beginning there will be some of these races. Uh, I believe that the tour they want to do as a normal tour, protected in in the right environment, I think it's possible. Uh, Peronis, we saw it was possible to do uh, in the way they did. I think we also need to put a lot of logic, common sense into this and not be hysterical around it, but be, be thoughtful around this, you know, and uh, there might be restrictions that everybody needs to learn, but I think that's okay. Uh, that's fine.
1: But with, with the way that the calendar is set up right now and trying to give all these big races space, do you think we're overlapping or diluting some of the, the premier events? I mean, man, if I was racing right now, I wouldn't care what continent I was racing on or... When I just would want to race, but overall, you know, doing a triple race program at times, that's, that's not only going to be a stress on, on the riders, but also on the staff and the logistical people. Do you think that we are diluting those premier events or do you think? Yeah, but it's also necessary, Bobby. Yeah. Uh,
2: You need to, you need to, I mean, this is a special year. And it is compromised, no matter what direction we're going to turn to. I, I'm not sure I would feel confident on riding on all the continents. I think that can cause us uh, some problems. But definitely in Europe, uh, I wouldn't mind at all. But it is a compromise, you know. And I think uh, UCI, for sure, worked hard on, on putting a calendar together in, in, a, in, a, in a decent way. Is it done correctly? I don't know. We can always discuss that. I have some opinions about it, absolutely. But there might also be some circumstances that I'm not aware of, but we are not aware of, you know. But, but if I look at it, I mean, there might be a few things. I mean, can we do three, uh, a free race program at the time? Yes, we can. And we're talking about three, three and a half months here, not more than that. And I think everybody knows that when we start racing again, it's going to be tough. Completing all these races, it is going to be tough, yes. But as I said, it's only three months and let's give gas for three months. Go, going up to four uh, races at the, at the time, I think that will be too much. I told uh, Lars Mikkelsen and my head uh, DS today that I don't really see us doing that. But at three overlap races, yeah, I think at times we can do that. Everybody knows that it's going to be tough. Also staff, they knows that for this period of time, it it it, we just have to sacrifice a little bit more, everyone, you know, and we'll put it together. That that will be that will be fine. Overlapping Giro and the Welter, I'm not super fan of that, to be honest. But if it's necessary, then it is necessary. I rather have seen that the the Welter was postponed maybe, maybe another week. I think the weather in Spain could allow that, you know. Uh, Okay, the welter is a few days shorter. Maybe the, the Giro could have been a, a few days shorter. I know they're always standing on their on their days, race days, but then again, it's a special year. And then again, you know, I mean, I, and I'm not saying the Tour, because we know the Tour is the biggest race and the most important race. That is what counts the most for all the teams. Uh, I miss a little bit, a few straight, stage races maybe, but now we haven't seen the... The national calendar coming out yet, because that's going to make maybe a game changer for some. Preparing the Giro, I miss a little bit in the calendar out right now. I miss a little bit uh, some stage races for preparing the Giro. Uh, those who are not doing the tour. Uh, and those who are preparing the classics, because those who are doing classics, they can't do the Giro either. I believe the world championship that week Takes out a lot of space in that program. And I would have done a compromise, but maybe things will still change. We don't know if it will be in Switzerland or maybe somewhere else. But I think the week of the World Championship, as it is right now, is a very important week for preparing the races, coming races. And maybe I would have thought about bringing the World Championship down to two days or a weekend. You want to hear a wild one? My idea would have been for these circumstances for cycling this year, I would have loved to see cycling coming even more together. And that would have been a world championship organized by the UCI, the ASO, and the RCS. They organize the world championship together to show that the cycling world
0: was united as never before, just for this year. And what would that race look like? Would it still just be a one-day race, but it would be like maybe the the probably over maybe the, for me. I don't know. It's it's tough to say. You need to study that, but it could be over a
2: weekend, and then you you compromise that you only do like like the the men's race, the women's race, maybe under twenty three race, and that's about it. You know, no time trials and team time trials and stuff like that
0: because it takes too much time out of this. There's tiny calendar that we have, and time we have. Tell me, on on that idea of um, the whole cycling world kind of coming together, you know, obviously um, the survival of teams, like there's a lot up in the air right now if the season doesn't run, and there's a lot of factors that, that, that weigh against each other in order, you know, on deciding whether to, to move forward with racing. How are you guys kind of balancing the, the idea that we need to race, we need to get things moving again, as you said, um, but then there's also there's a health risk, right? So I'm, I'm sort of wondering like how, how are you guys making sure that your that your riders and staff are going to be safe and, and then also too that you can get to these races and, and make sure that everyone gets through them with their health.
2: Well, I haven't seen great problems yet uh within the cycling world, uh, health wise. Uh of course it's something we need to consider, take into considerations and uh, we observe. Absolutely. But then again, I think we need to do the right thing here. If if we want only have uh, safety to be 100% sure that we won't get infected or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know what? Then we need to stay home for two three years, all of us, and not move at all. And are you safe then? Maybe not even. You know? So at some point, the world has to be exposed to this virus, all of us. So thinking too much about safety, I think it's overreacting. But we need to think about it, of course, and we need to be realistic about it, and and have respect about respect about other people and all that stuff, you know. But the world has to move. I mean, the world's economy has to move. The sports have to survive. And if you only want to just live on safety alone, uh, you're going to be in trouble. Then you can't survive. And you're yeah. going to have other very very important
1: issues. And Around the world, we're seeing governments investing billions of pounds, dollars, euros, whatever, into new cycling and walking paths in their post-pandemic plans, signaling to me, at least, that we're really on a verge of a cycling renaissance here, even if it is just to put up more alternatives to public transport there will be more people on bikes and that can have huge benefits and new eyeballs on the sport. I guess thoughts change quicker than words and words change quicker than behavior. And with this in mind, I feel that it's a real shame that the powers that be in cycling seem that they're not even changing their thoughts at this stage. What would you like to see happen in the world of cycling? You, you mentioned, you know, this year, but moving to, next year what would you like to see in the world of cycling compared to how it's been currently run because i know we're making adjustments on the fly right now as far as the the two, 2021 calendar and what would be the time frame for any of those changes or ideas that you have
2: well it depends what you mean uh bobby but i mean cycling is a strong sport and and uh, and cycling is important, remember. I mean the tour will start in Copenhagen uh, next year. Uh, the reason of that Prodom and ASO chose Copenhagen was because of everyone is cycling in Denmark. Mm. So many many people are cycling in Copenhagen and uh, if you go there you go crazy, you know? There there's no room for for traffic anymore because of cyclists. <laughs> you know, so So uh, cycling is an important factor and it's a very popular sport. It is. But I'm not sure I understand your question 100% what you actually mean. I mean,
1: well, do you think, you know, we've read a lot about people saying that grand tours should maybe be shortened a little bit, that there should be some more of a, a rhythm and a flow built to a crescendo in the overall, just to overall understand the sport. And we've been doing the same sort of race calendar with the same sumber, number of race days per day. And I'm just curious if you have any, any thoughts on that idea of how we can make this more of a fan engagement, fan friendly sport moving forward after this pandemic issue. Or are you happy the way that things are, things are planned and the, the, the way that things are being run?
2: I think there's a lot of historical reasons. In cycling, you know, there's, there's a history in, in cycling is, is very, very big. There's This, this culture has been forever and a lot of people are afraid to change. I think there, there will be room for changing. I mean, because it's, it's a competition out there, also to other sports. And, and you, you need, people need excitements. You know, there's so many things in life that, that takes you away from, from things, you know, you have so many options. Like, look at the kids. I mean, they have so many options. If you want them to watch television uh, or a sport, it has to be interesting. It has to be fast and snap and really ex- exciting. has to be exciting all the time, otherwise they'll lose interest. You know, people are, are like that. And, and I think, yeah, Grand Tour, you can, you can make it different, you know. And I think... What, would I, what I would do is actually uh, have, have not the teams moving around so much and uh, every week ha- have the opportunity to stay like three days or more at the same place. And then you can have more circuit races, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so, so you gather a lot more people at the same spot. At the same time uh, so you create uh, more atmosphere uh, you can have let's say if you have every week of, of the tour you know then you come to a bigger city that has opportunities meaning opportunities and you can always make a time trial you can have a circuit uh, for a sprinter you can have a circuit for for uh, for climbers for the gc guys but we have it all around the same place because that stresses people. Uh, there's a lot less logistic in it, you know, and, and you can have a, a small community there. It stays for, 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 for more days so you don't have to travel from one spot to another every single day because I think you lose a lot of spectators on that way and you will be able to make some more exciting things you know i mean there' too many transportation stages often which are boring it's only the last uh, five ten minutes when they approach the sprint that it's getting excited you know and then you get as excited over a crash i mean that's mm. that's not the best you, <laughs> you can actually do but uh, yeah there are certainly ways to to uh, so spike it up if you want.
1: And I love that idea of making cycling more of a spectacle, as you mentioned. But do you see any, any of this actually happening? Or is this being spoken around the other team managers? Or is this just your personal idea? No, that's my personal thing. Uh, I saw
2: it happen a little bit in the world. So they tried to do that a little bit mm-hmm. three years ago, uh, which I actually... Well, from where from i got the idea uh, you know that it should be done differently because sometimes you go out there in the pampas i mean okay the tour is so big so there's always a lot of spectators you know barely room for for stopping mm. for a pee sometimes <laughs> you know but, uh, but but sometimes like the welter you out there where there's no people and uh, i'd rather i mean i'll think about doing it differently
0: and, and race where people are. Tell me, um, Bianna, what what are your plans for the future? What are your goals with NTT? Right, you've you've kind of achieved pretty much all there is uh, to achieve in the sport. You've you've covered the gamut. Like, what motivates you now? What 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 are you what are you chasing with the team?
2: Well, first of all, what motivates me right now is leadership. Uh, I really, I mean, sitting at my couch at home, I missed leadership. I miss being a leader, uh, going out there, and make a difference. Uh, and I'm so happy I have the opportunity now with uh, with the dog and his team, and uh, and being a part of that. And and I, I I have to, I even have to say that the years I, I had at home gave me time to think a lot, at being a better leader. I feel I'm a lot better leader now than I was years ago. Uh, I don't feel I've ever been sharper than I am right now, uh, which is great, then have the possibility. So going out, teaching some leadership and put a team together, make a team happy, make a team work together as a unit and get the best out of them. That, that's for me so fantastic. That's what I'm doing right now. Do I want to win some big races? Absolutely. I want to win them all. I want to sure. win the two again. I want to win, a, I wanna win uh, all the classics, you know, but that's out there, you know, and I thought when I came to the team, the first thing I said to them is that we all know where we want to go mm-hmm. i can I can easily draw the, the vision for the team. you know we don't want to go up here, we want to win, we want to be the best in the world, but the most important thing is we figure out right now where are we now, and which way are we going to go, how are the steps we're going to take, and that process we're in right now you yeah, know so because As I said, yeah, it's so easy just to say, I want to be the best, yes. How do you want to be the best? Hmm. Where are you now and where are we going to move from here? The first thing you do, you gather the team, you connect the team, and you show them the way. That's leadership.
1: Well, Bjarne, thank you very much for your time and really appreciate you spending so much time with us. I hope that in the near future, We will find out what those six pillars are because you definitely piqued my curiosity there after, you know, coming through your system before there was always that Bjarna magic. And it sounds to me like you're brewing some good six pillars of, of Bjarna magic that I'm uber interested in. So, um, look forward to hearing about those, but thank you so much for coming on. Stay safe, stay sane, and look forward to you guys coming back in, in racing here pretty soon
0: thanks all of you, and thanks for having me Bobby Biana is a fascinating man there's a lot to talk about there. The first and foremost is what what are the six pillars right like i really I really enjoyed how he um, not only uh, kept his cards close to his chest but acknowledged that he was doing so, and that 's only kind of piqued my interest and i can 't wait to to watch them start racing and try and figure out. What changes he has made there. I want to hear from you what what you sort of took away from that discussion and 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 what you found interesting about Bjarn's approach to to both the lockdown and 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 what he thinks is going to happen once racing resumes.
1: Yeah, I think I need to start with a little bit of backstory. Um, Bjarna is and was a very uh, influential person at a very difficult time in my life. I. Um, was third in the 1998 Tour de France, and then really just became a mental milkshake about the way that I was riding, the way the sport was going, and I kind of jumped from team to team to team. And at the end of the 2003 season, I had no contract. And Bjarna extended a basically a Neopros contract to me, and I looked at it like, oh my gosh, um, that's not even going to pay my taxes, but I'll have a chip in the game. I'll be able to race. And if I go to this team, which was CSC at the time, and I don't like it, you know, I can just rip up that contract and be back in America and move on with my life. And I went to the first training camp that we had and didn't really know many of the riders, uh, didn't know Bjarne that well outside of having raced with him and watched him on TV. But he stood up and he gave about an hour long speech. And my jaw just hit the floor. The things that he was saying was, I, I knew right then and there that I found the team and the leader that I was looking for uh, up until that point. And kind of got off to a, a rocky start. I came over to the first training camp and we did our our first test up the famous Montessera climb. And basically what it was, it was just a mass start race from the bottom to the top. And i Got dropped horribly and I almost just turned around and you know went back to the hotel packed up my suitcase and left but I said no I gotta finish this and I get up to the top and I was third from last of the team and I hit my little SRM button and I see that I averaged 389 watts and I'm over by myself just embarrassed to to have finished so far back Bjarna comes up to me puts his arm around me, hits the the set button to see what my numbers were, and it says 389. And he looks at me, and I was expecting him to say, Julik, did you train at all this winter? Like, what's your problem? And he goes, that's not your level. And I looked at him after five years of basically struggling and not really knowing where I was in the sport. I turned to him and I said, Bjarna, I think it is. And he, all he did was turn around really briefly and say, nope, that's not you. And man, the hair on my arm stood up like, wow, he, he, he believes in me. And let me say that just set off a cascade of events. My, my mentality was so different after that. And we wound up doing that same test uh, at the end of the training camp, which was like maybe 10 days or 12 days later. And I was third from best. So I think Ivan Basso won, Jens was second, and I was third. And I had an average of 429 watts. And that just changed everything for me. His belief, his words changed everything for me. And um, I really owe a big debt of gratitude for him for that. But getting to what I took away from his interview... Um, obviously I'm super interested to hear about what those six pillars are. No, no doubt about that. But you know what he said about taking this time, not to just, you know, think about what you can't do, but what you can do. And as he said, cleaning up the garden and coming out of this prepared to be a weapon. And Michael Valgren mentioned that as well. He's like, Bobby, it's pretty easy. We're going to come out smoking and we're Mm going to ride that wave all the way to the beach. And when it's over, it's over. We're not going to do much planning. We're just going to come out ready to race. And you kind of got to respect that. And I'm sure a lot of the teams are thinking that, but we'll see which teams are able to do it. Because the thing about momentum in the sport of cycling is it's everything. And when this whole shutdown started, those guys were clicking. There was quite a few teams. EF Education, clicking. Archaea Samsec, clicking. NTT Pro Cycling, clicking they're going to carry that over because they went in with a different mental mindset than a lot of these other teams. So it'll be super interesting how they come out of it. But um yeah, and then his idea of the races not traveling around as much and making more of a spectacle. That's that's kind of what we mentioned, you know, a couple totally. episodes ago. This is this is what it it needs to be an atmosphere, it needs to be an event. It needs to be something that kids come to and parents take them and, you know, buy some jerseys and, and watch them racing and learn, be educated on, on what our sport is. Because, yeah, I have to admit, our sport is, is pretty difficult and it's pretty hard to get somebody to watch a five or six hour event when it's only exciting in the last, you know, couple of kilometers. I really like that. But the biggest thing and the thing that Bjarne taught me what was so important is his emphasis on, on good leadership. And it sounds like, I mean, we all go through our peaks and valleys in our lives where we're super motivated, we're super switched on, and then there's other times when we're struggling. And even leaders go through that. And Bjarne has definitely gone through some of those peaks and valleys. But him saying that he's seen things more clear than ever before after this you know, four year hiatus from the world tour, it just makes me so happy that this next generation of riders at NTT are going to be experience or going to be able to experience what I experienced back in 2003, 2004, 2005 when when Bjarne was at the top of his game. So, it's going to be exciting to watch not only with everybody returning but like these these people that we've talked to and their plans that they've kind of put out for us how are those going to work? And I'm just stoked that we're going to have some cycling coming up pretty soon.
0: Yeah, same here. And I think for me, um, beyond like uh, what he said about leadership, right? Um, I think every team's saying that they, they're, they're going to hit the ground running coming out of this. But the way, and even comparing this to the way that that Brailsford was speaking a few weeks ago, right? Like, Bian was almost excited about the opportunity um, that this shutdown has provided. Provided his team to be able to work on a bunch of things and 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 think about things differently, and I really liked his his a couple of things he said was the first thing was creativity and bringing creativity into the way that he approaches the sport right and you know understanding the limitations that they have, whether that be budgetary or whatever, and then finding and using those uh, and finding the advantage in those and then using that the other thing I really liked that he just um, that he said was fans love drama and excitement and you know that's what Bian brought to 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 the Tour de France in two thousand and four, two thousand and five, two thousand and six. These years where you know, and you know this. You were in there. You were the one. You know, enacting where he'd he'd throw the he'd, he'd throw the playbook out the window and 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 split the race with eighty k to go. Or he would. You know, he was a very exciting director and 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 the way that he got the team to ride. And I'm really excited now that he's back and hearing him say that to inject that into racing because. I feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's always good when you, when you see someone just throw it all, uh, throw it all out in the road and, 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 you know, it's about turning the race on its head as, as much as it is about winning it. And um, so I'm really excited to, to see that happen when the racing kicks off. And yeah, I think uh, Team NTT Pro Cycling will be a force to be reckoned with.
1: Yeah, uh, ripping up the playbook, let me tell you from firsthand experience, when that direction or that instruction comes over the radio... And you look at your teammates just to just to confirm what you heard, Hmm. thinking, what, what, what what are we doing? What what does he have planned? (laughs) Only to have it work. It's as if he had like a crystal ball. And there were very few. I'd say Cyril Guimar was the only other director that I had that had that sort of creativity. And it was risky, no doubt. But man, it was, it was fun. And when you did something outside of the norm and caught people on the back foot, it was, it it just built like a snowball going downhill. Like, then you're like, Hey, when, when can we do that again? When, Mm. what's coming next? But you got to be a little careful with those tactical decisions because, um, yeah, teams start to expect the unexpected, but that's, that's Bjarna for you. And that is it. That's all we have time for this week. Hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you to Björn Reese from the NTT Pro Cycling team for joining us. You can also get this show as well as a bunch of other fantastic cycling journalism over at velonews.com. You can subscribe at Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify, whatever your favorite go-to podcast site may be. Just search for Put Your Socks On or Fizzo. Please continue to show your support by subscribing to this program and please tell your friends about us.
0: Fizzo is produced by myself, Bobby Julik Eddie Rogers, and with uh, help from Steve Maxwell and The Outer Line. If you want to get in touch with us, you can via social media. Fizzo Pod on Twitter. That's P-Y-S-O-P-O-D. At That Is Gus and at Bobby Julik on Instagram. Shoot us a message there if you have any questions, suggestions, feedback, or whatever else. Until next week... Thank you so much for listening.
1: Thank you, everyone. And don't forget to put your socks on.
0: The Giordana Sagittarius logo has been a staple of the pro peloton for decades. Made in Italy for cyclists by cyclists since 1979. Thanks to a long history of partnerships with the top teams in the sport, they have the knowledge to deliver clothing that pros rely on.
1: Today, it's not just the Michelton, Scott and Astana pro teams with that benefit. Giordana's goal is to empower every rider to reach new heights. That's the drive that constantly pushes them to create and innovate. Everything Giordana does is designed to enhance cycling performance and enjoyment. Whether you're a professional racer or a weekend warrior.
0: So check them out. Head over to jordanacycling.com to see what's new. And for a limited time, you can get 25% off your next purchase when you use the code PODCAST.